Welcome to the podcast. Let's talk about the Republican debate that took place this last Wednesday night. The eight candidates, Doug Burgum from North Dakota, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Senator Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida, and the presidential debate, the Republican presidential debate. So I want to talk about a couple of things. And I wanted to record this actually before I saw the professional pundits say what they had to say. I did see what Laura Ingram had to say, and I was gratified to see that she basically came in with the same impression that I did. So the top takeaways that I have, and I, I do want us to examine some of the principles and some of the concepts that are underneath and what's going on uh, with some of the Republican candidates here. But my top takeaways, number two, uh, are, t- are two, two men, and that is Vivek Ramaswamy and Governor Ron DeSantis. I think they were absolutely the top. They were the best on it. Ron DeSantis shows himself to be a great leader. He has a great record. He gives you a sense that he's a man on top. He gives you a sense that he's a man in charge. He hammered the issues such as the border. He said, yes, we're going to use military force. That's a breath of fresh air. We wanted that. People have wanted that for a long time. I thought he avoided, however, whether he thought Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th or not. But be that as it may, and he, he simply pointed out he didn't want to go over material that was in the past, and he wasn't going to be forced to do it. But I thought he was on the border. He was excellent on the border. He was great on crime and talking about how we're going to get our culture back, back in line. And not only so, but he pointed out that our culture is on the decline. I think that is something that everybody... Everybody knows, everybody out here in America, in middle America, we know that it's on decline. And just when they don't confess it and when they don't say it and we act like, oh, no, everything's going great, then you just kind of tune them out and say, you know, you don't, you don't even know what's going on. So Ron DeSantis did really, really well, I felt. Number two, Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm going to tell you, I am, I am impressed with Vivek Ramaswamy several years ago. On the radio show that I have, uh, I had a, a radio show in Wichita Falls, and I read one of his books called Woke Inc., and I utilized that book to talk about uh, socialism and the ESG movement that's going on in America with big tech and so forth. And I was so impressed with that book, Woke Inc., I bought it for other people. I said, you need to read this book. And so I would, I would mention Vivek Ramaswamy. They would say, well, who is Vivek Ramaswamy? But now they know who he is, but... He was so impressive on the debate stage. He knew the material. He was the only one. He was the only one that I recognized who was so adamant about quit funding overseas wars such as Ukraine. That's exactly where America is. We can't even find Ukraine on the map, as many people say. Well, where is Ukraine? I, you know, according to the, the establishment, we should be in wars all over the world all the time. It doesn't matter how out of the way the place may be, how small the country may, may, uh, may be. It doesn't matter uh, how few people they have in the population of that country. Supposedly, it's all in the American interest to go and fight the war, put our money, our blood, our treasure into that war. Vivek Ramaswamy said exactly what middle America, what I believe, and that is stop funding the war, get out of Ukraine. We are so much in debt, we can't continue to fight these overseas wars. Start spending money on our own border. He was the only one also. I thought this was interesting that he would, he said forthrightly that he would pardon 
President Trump if Trump was convicted. He was the only one to point out forcefully what the entire country can actually see, and that is the Department of Justice is going after political opponents, and this entire Get Trump movement is illegitimate. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen, for just a moment. From the time that Trump announced his candidacy for president back in, what was it, 2016, uh, 2017, what was it? At any rate, since he announced his candidacy for president and he became president, we have heard nothing but attacks from Democrats, the mainstream media, the, the actors and actresses when he became elected president. They were already talking about impeachment. The first day, they were already talking about impeachment. They had, we had uh, the Madonnas of the world up saying they want to blow up the White House. We had uh, uh, Kathy Griffin showing a decapitated Trump on her on a Facebook post or some kind of on some kind of social media post. We had all these kind of things continually. The Democrats continue to play nasty. They play hardball, and they've done that from the beginning. And they're continue, they, they continue to put roadblocks in Trump's way, continually did that, all through his presidency, brought up charges. And you know what? <clears throat> the Republicans always play softball. I think that Mitch McConnell is a perfect illustration of it. Someone asked about uh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky said, well, shall we, shall we bring charges for impeachment against uh, Joe Biden. He said, well, no, it's not good for the country. It's not good for the country. You know, that's, that's our problem. <laughs> that's our problem. The Democrats are always playing hardball, but we're always playing softball. But I tell you one thing, that, that's exactly, that's, for one thing, that's exactly why we're in so much trouble, because that's, that's why we always move down to the socialistic left. That's why we've always gone in that direction. But that's exactly what happened with Donald Trump. That is, they continue to be roadblocks in his way, and they have not stopped since he came out of office. What's going on now is absolutely an atrocity. It is, it is a breach of public trust. It is the Democrats going after political opponents. Who cannot see that? I, I don't understand how the American people can watch this going on right now as, as I'm recording this Donald Trump is going into Georgia, he's going into a courthouse and having his thumbprints uh, taken, mugshots taken, all of these things, it's all, it's all Democrats out to hang him higher than Haman. And it's all politically motivated. Who cannot see that? Well, all this get Trump movement is illegitimate. But the point is that I wanted to make is, you know, it was so disgusting to watch some of the Republicans jump on that train, such as Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, and the others, Mike Pence, who acted like, you know, I don't know, we'll see. He acted like, well, if he, if he isn't convicted, we'll, we'll examine and see whether or not he should be part of it. This, this absolute, like we've lost the country. We've lost our country. They're going after political opponents. They're, they're absolutely destroying this country. The Democrats are. And all we can say, well, maybe, maybe there's something to it. And and Asa Hutchinson didn't like Trump to begin with. Neither did Chris Christie. He didn't like Trump to begin with. And so they're talking about trying to get Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy stood up there. What is he, 25, 30, 30 years? I don't know, 35 years old. Said, held up his hand and said, you know what? This is a politically driven prosecution from the Department of Justice. 
And he said, absolutely, we're going to pardon Trump the very first day. But, you know, he was so bold in it. And I just appreciated him for that. In spite of the fact that all those other Republicans on the stage, they were just like, well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. And <clears throat> furthermore, Ramaswamy is the only one who said, he has made plain, to get rid of many departments of government. He's the only one to put his finger on the problem in education. That is, the nuclear family is the greatest form of government known to mankind, and the loss of the nuclear family is the primary cause of our maleducation in America. Ramaswamy is the one who pointed that out. He pointed out that we need to take away many of these departments of government. I thought, that this is exactly where conservative Americans are. Get rid of this gigantic government that's absolutely destroying our country. We've allowed everything to gravitate to Washington, D.C., and we can't control it anymore. And he's the only one who said, get rid of it. Get rid of the Department of Education. I think other ones agreed on that particular point, but he was absolutely bold on that one. I think Tim Scott said the same thing. But our culture is in a dark place, said Ramaswamy. He's absolutely correct. I'll tell you another issue he was the strongest on, and that is energy. He said, absolutely, we're going to go energy independent. We're going to drill. We're going to go to coal, uh, coal-fired plants. We're going to build coal-fired plants. We're going to have nuclear energy. We're going to be in- energy independent in America. He was, he was so strong on that. I think that it took the establishment people back. Now, I'll tell you another thing on a couple of people I appreciated also. Before I get into the big disappointments, I, I appreciated Doug Burgum the governor of North Dakota, appreciated his stand on abortion. I know that it wasn't popular with a lot of people, but he talked about there not being a federal ban on it because he said, let's go back to the Constitution, to the 10th Amendment. I, I thought, when was the last time you heard anybody say, let's go back and follow the 10th Amendment? Well, no one on that stage wanted to do that. Doug Bergen brought it up, and I think he's exactly right. As a matter of fact, there was... There was so much that was thrown out there talking about Trump not following the Constitution on J6 and Mike Pence, whether he followed the Constitution and all that kind of thing. But you know what? When it comes to the gigantic welfare state, the warfare state that we're in, all of it's unconstitutional. Not a bit of it's constitutional, and yet they're all for it. I thought, this is this makes me sick that to say, have them talk about well, what does the Constitution say about uh, Trump questioning the election and saying, let's, let's go examine the election again? They're not interested in the Constitution. So Doug Burgum, I thought he did a good job there. And also, I appreciated Tim Scott, who said, and he said it took a different view. He said, we can't allow New York to have abortion on demand. That would be a federal issue, he said. And I think, and I agree with that also, even though those are two disagreeing positions. But in the end, I believe Burgum is right. And that is, it's a 10th Amendment issue. And we don't make the laws from the federal government regarding abortion. Tim Scott from South Carolina talked about the corruptness of the DOJ at school board meetings and so forth. But I'll tell you what, it was Ramaswamy who took the show on that one. You cannot reform an entire socialistic nation by replacing a few top leaders, Tim Scott. You cannot reform an entire socialistic government that is out of control, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the DOJ, or or the CIA, the National Education Association, the EPA. You can't reform all of those 
by simply replacing a guy at the top. You have to cut it all out. And it was only Ramaswamy who said, that's what we're going to do. Although I did appreciate some of the statements that Tim Scott made. So we'll talk about it when I come back in just a moment. The doctrine of internationalism and socialism, and it has infected us all because we have some big disappointments at the Republican debate also. All right, let's talk about the Republican debate, the big disappointments. And the first thing I would like to think about is to frame the issue in the idea of socialism and internationalism. Why is it that so many Republican candidates and so many Republicans generally are always so weak? They're just weak as water. They sound like the Democrats, except a softer version of them. Why is that the case? It is because of the doctrine of internationalism instead of national interest of the United States. It is because of the doctrine of socialism that they have accepted in principle, they've accepted the New Deal in principle of, of the FDRs of the world, and all they want to do is kind of slow walk it. For example, here's, here's an illustration, Mike Pence. Mike Pence, we talked about the entire evening about whether he's following the Constitution at J6 and so forth. It's kind of interesting to think about because the rest of the night, he argued vehemently that he was going to spend more money in Ukraine than we've already spent and that we need to be involved in NATO, North American Treaty, the Treaty Organization, with more money, which is all a United Nations subsidiary, in order to defend all of the world all over the place. Now, what I want to ask this question. Where in the Constitution do we have one line, Mike Pence, that allows you to spend one dollar of American money in another country. Why talk about the Constitution and whether or not it's right or wrong for Donald Trump to question the integrity of elections when in point, in fact, you're willing to go on with a welfare state, a warfare state, go on and on with it, all outside the boundaries of the Constitution. It absolutely is infuriating to me. And just, just note this regarding the J6 thing also. You know, he acted like he was trying to, he was trying to uh, be faithful to the Constitution and be faithful to it. And then he acted like, well, may, maybe Donald Trump, if he gets convicted, I, I might even uh, have to examine whether or not uh, he should be pardoned or anything like that. I thought he is as weak as possibly can be. Nikki Haley, just another example of it. She insisted on keep funneling more money to Ukraine. It was only Vivek Ramaswamy who said, no, no more foreign wars, no more money to Ukraine. So according to Nikki Haley's, who was the ambassador to the United Nations for Donald Trump, right? So according to Nikki Haley's viewpoint on the world, which country is not in American interest by her standards? I, I'd like to ask Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, all of the globalists, because that's what they are, internationalists or globalists, globalists first, Americans second. Which country in the world, I would like them to put their finger on the map and tell us which country is not in the American interest, which country would we not be sending troops into if it got into trouble, which country would we not be sending money to? There's no country. They're just going to bleed America dry. And she wanted to pound on Ramaswamy for it. She even made this comment. She said, what? You have had no foreign policy experience. You know what? What 
look what's happened with these internationalists in the Democratic Party and in the Republican Party. Since the time of Woodrow Wilson and particularly FDR, we have lost the Vietnam War with the foreign policy experts that we have controlling things. We're still at war with Korea and they are threatening us daily. We have continued to build up China, made them their most favored nation, gave them the most favored nation status. We've kicked out Taiwan from being the most favored nation. We've lost the country of Iran. We've lost the country of Iraq, the Middle East. We've lost Cuba. This is the foreign policy that Nikki Haley says that Ramaswamy doesn't have experience in. Well, you know what? That's the good thing here. I, I grow tired of those internationalists such as Nikki Haley talking about wanting people to have foreign policy experience. And what she means is socialism internationally. I thought it was interesting, too. They did not bring up the Paris Climate Accord that Donald Trump went to the United Nations, boldly said, you know, you're doing wrong. We're going to cut the money. We're not going to be and we're not in the Paris Climate Accord. What is the Paris Climate Accord? It's the soaking of American money, the American pocketbook to send money to foreign nations because of so-called global warming that we supposedly caused. I didn't hear anybody talk about that. Nikki Haley's not going to talk about that because she's a big internationalist. She's a United Nations fan. And then let's talk about Mike Pence for a little bit more here for a moment. I do think, and I'll say this, I do think he was the strongest on pro-life. I do want to give that to him. But at the same time, he's an internationalist. And he said, we can do both. We can be a leader at home and a leader abroad. Translate that for a moment. That means keep giving money to NATO Keep giving our troops and our blood and our treasure by means of NATO to the United Nations. Keep funneling money from the American taxpayers to overseas countries. All against the Constitution, nothing to do with the Constitution, and yet, nevertheless, keep doing it. And he argued with Ramaswamy about our culture, too. I thought, in the culture war that Ramaswamy and Pence had... I thought that Pence came across as pompous. He said, I say this humbly. Well, when people say, I say this humbly, you think, okay, you're not, you're, you just lost your humility. Well, Ramaswamy is right. We're in a dark place. Pence said, well, it's just the leaders in Washington, D.C. That's the problem here. No, sir, it is not. It goes all the way down through the public school system into kindergarten classes. It goes into every university. It is in the mainstream media. It is in the movie industry. It is everywhere you go. It is on the streets of America. It's in the streets of San Francisco. It's in the streets of Wichita Falls, where I live. Everywhere, the welfare state has destroyed this country and have made them so dependent Upon the teat of the government, it is absolutely stunning that he would say, well, it's just the leadership in Washington, D.C. It's absolutely wrong. Our culture is in decline. The welfare state will always bring decline. He said, well, I have faith in the American people, too. Well, I do, too. But you better measure that faith. For example, what would happen? Just let me ask this question. What would happen right now? If the sheriff's offices around the country would set up roadblocks and start confiscating weapons from individuals, how do you think that would go down? Well, I don't know, 
But I don't have much hope that the American people are going to stand up and say, no, not here. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but let's not put too much faith there. People have been misled. They've been misinformed. They've been ill-educated. They have been continually on the government dole. They're going to vote for where they, what gives them the most money. That's the way it goes. And Mike Pence saying, no, we're not in a dark place. It's just the leadership in Washington, D.C. I think, boy, that is absolutely wrong. How about Asa Hutchinson for a moment? I thought this was, and he's, he's such a weak, a weak candidate anyway. He's just a, as weak as water when he speaks. I think, how did he get on the stage here? I don't understand. Anyway, and I, I've lived in Arkansas. I love the Arkansas people, and I, I know they probably did a good job there. And I don't, I'm not even questioning that, but I just thought, boy, he's so weak. For example, on crime, he said, I, I, got this, I wrote this down, and I thought, oh, boy, here we go. We need more education about drugs to stop the drug epidemic. Here's something else that I grow tired of. I've heard it in the public schools where I've been for 22 years, all of those years, we need more education. Need more education. No, sir. No, ma'am. We don't need more education. We need moral backbone. We need morality put in the education. We need moral, biblical education. That's what we need. We don't need to be educated on what drugs do. The kids know what it does. When you educate them regarding sex education, for example, does that curtail the out-of-wedlock births? Does it curtail the promiscuity in the country because you give them education? <laughs> the idea is preposterous. He's been listening to the mainstream media way too long. And then when he attacked Trump, he attacked all of us. He said, you know what? That was an insurrection. That is absolutely false. If there was an insurrection on J6, don't you think that just one of the persons that were protesting would have been armed. They were there not because they were insurrectionists. I know people that were there. They were good people. They were patriotic people. They sang this star-spangled banner. They were convinced, and they are still convinced, as I am, that the integrity of the last election should be called into question. That's all the reason they were there for. I realize that some people got out of hand. I'm not denying that. But be that as it may, just call it an insurrection. It's almost as if to say he's afraid to tell the truth because he's listening to the mainstream media way too much. He's been listening to the public school system way too much. And how about Chris Christie for a moment? He attacked Trump. Why? He's an internationalist. That's why. He's a neocon. What is a neocon, by the way? A neocon is actually a term that was coined by Irving Kristol, that is Bill Kristol's father. Bill Kristol's father, for the National Review, Bill Kristol, his daddy is Irving Kristol. Irving Kristol wrote the book on neoconservatism. Neoconservatism is basically to accept the welfare state of FDR, that is take money from the pockets of taxpayers and put it into private pockets elsewhere, that's welfare, that's stealing from the American people, putting it elsewhere. And Irving Kristol said that neoconservatism is actually accepting in principle FDR's welfare program, the New Deal. That's exactly why we are seeing the Chris Christie's of the world, the Asa Hutchinson's of the world, 
the Nikki Haley's of the world and even the Mike Pence's of the world saying such things as, well, they're not going to cut back on government programs. They're not going to cut back on government entities. Ramaswamy's the only one who said that. No, they're not going to say that. And that's why they hate Donald Trump. That's why Republicans, so many Republicans hate him because they are in truth. They are socialists. They're simply soft socialists. And soft socialists cannot stand those who want to turn back the hands to go back to the Constitution, such as Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, as well as Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, I do appreciate Chris Christie, and I'll say this, for saying he would send back the 7 million illegals who have come here under Biden. But I did feel sorry for him also on the question. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. He said at the very last, he, he got a UFO question. He said, of all this lightning round, I got the UFO question. I thought that was the silliest question that the, that the anchors gave on that one. But be that as it may, I thought he did a good point on that. That's, that, that I felt sorry for him on that one. So summarizing it all, Governor Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy. I think Ramaswamy is absolutely the, the boldest candidate out there. He's the one who says, yeah, here's what we need to do. I'll say this. Do you know that that is exactly what he said? Is exactly what middle Americans have been saying for so many years. Get rid of the NEA. Get rid of the, uh, Department, of Educa- uh, de- or the Department of Justice. Get rid of the... Uh, the different agencies of the government, get rid of the EPA, for example, get rid of the FBI, get rid of these things. We don't need them. They're going against us. They're destroying our country right now. And I appreciated him for that. I thought, boy, he is bold to say that. And you can't help but appreciate a bold person like Vivek Ramaswamy. 